My name is Jared Denny, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. I am Jack Butler here with Gus Morris. How you doing, Jack? Pretty good. We are here to talk Oregon football. Yes, it's that time of year already. We're going to review training camp. We've been pretty much every day. Uh, We're going to preview the Southern Utah game. And we're going to throw out a couple storylines that we want to hit on, touch on, talk about the game a little bit. Uh, We'll get to previewing the game a little later in the podcast. But And also some predictions, too, at the end. Yes, bold bold mm-hmm. um hottest of takes first we're going to talk about a storyline that gus i know you really have spent some time asking the coaches about it looking at it and it's the youth on this team it's something that taggart and, and company and coaches have said that they're going to come in and they're going to tell the young guys and even the old guys that we don't care what year you are anybody can start you know they have they've looked at the tape of last year but they don't you know they don't really know exactly who's done what yet on this team so you know sort of a an, an open depth chart at least that's what they've been saying since the start yeah and that was a that was a big theme too that that Willie Taggart brought in when he actually you know arrived it was even uh, I think it was even during his his introduction press conference or where, where, where I, I think he, like, he even might have said like we're, we're gonna go out and we're gonna get the best and you know he kind of pulled together a, a you know a decent 2017 recruiting class but the fact that but that there are 11 uh, true freshmen, uh, actually 12 true freshmen, sorry, uh, on uh, Oregon's too deep uh, depth chart that came out on Monday is uh, pretty telling of kind of how he holds the you know the the younger guys and how how he actually meant that you know these older guys are going to have to earn their spots. Yeah, and just going through some of the freshmen that Oregon released the too deep for Southern Utah earlier this week, but you've got Jordan Scott, a freshman, starting at the nose guard position in Austin. Faulu right behind him at the at the nose guard position. You've got you know across the board starting Thomas Graham Jr. cornerback beat out Ugo Amati for that starting spot. Who's a junior and experienced. You've got you know on the offensive side Johnny Johnson at a wide receiver spot. You've got young tight ends, young wide receivers across the board. This really is a young team, and they don't expect to you know have this really set in stone for. I, I think a couple weeks, I think there's still young guys that once they start clicking, once they might get a little game experience, they might jump up there. But what's a what's a freshman that has specifically stood out to you in fall camp so far? Well, it's kind of tough for us because we, you know, we can't talk to freshmen. That's a new rule that, that Oregon has, has implemented this year is, uh, you know, there's no media for, for any of the freshmen, which can be a little annoying for us just because, you know, there are 11, 12 guys on the, you know, two freshmen on the, on the depth chart, you know, we, we want to see these guys, but, but the one, the one guy that's really, you know, stood out to me and uh, just talking to coaches, seeing him, you know, in, in, in individual drills is Jordan Scott, you know, he was, uh, you know, when he got here, I think he was like 350, he was, he was a big boy when he got here and, you know, he kind of, he lost a bit, he lost some of that weight uh, down, down to 333 according to Oregon's uh, depth chart. But yeah, he was a guy that coaches were were raving about. You know, he was a guy who was faster on his, you know, was, uh, really quick on his feet for a 300 pound guy. Um, you know, beat out a pretty good chunk of veteran guys at that spot to to kind of seize that. But I mean, he had been a guy that we'd been hearing since since you know he arrived on campus in in spring, along with Thomas Graham Jr., who also had a phenomenal spring too. But Jordan Scott just kind of came on big and strong. You know, 
you know, here in fall camp. So not a surprise at all that he's starting. Myers. Yeah. And I mean, just on more on him is that that's such a crucial position for a defense that really could not stop the run in any way, shape or form last year. And that nose guard position is really important for just eating up space. Obviously Jordan Scott, a, a big guy, but for, for a defense that needs to, you know, make vast improvements for this team to win more games, that seems like a pretty vital position to, give to a freshman they had been lacking some depth in that area so you knew just they could you know they brought in Scott Pagano transfer but he's been out with an injury so far you knew he could compete for time you knew some freshmen could compete for time uh for me the the guy obviously we haven't really seen him but based on what the coaches have said and just looking at where this team is is wide receiver Johnny Johnson the third obviously the wide receiver position is is pretty thin. A lot of young guys, they converted Brendan Schooler from safety to add some some depth. Dylan Mitchell's a, a sophomore, a guy who's going to need to step up. I mean, I think Charles Nelson's the only guy that returns for this unit with a significant amount of catches to his name. So I think Johnny Johnson, uh, you know, reportedly has made some plays in scrimmages. Uh, Herbert, I know, has said his name a couple times when asked about some young guys that stepped up. So maybe they've got a little connection there and Oregon really needs all the help they can get with some outside weapons. So to me, you know, I'll have my eyes on Johnny Johnson because if he can develop along the outside, bring a weapon, that's huge for them. Is there anybody else? Well, I think also, I mean, I already mentioned it, but I think Thomas Graham Jr., the fact that even that he beat out uh, Ugo Amati um, is, I mean, again, it's telling that, that Taggart is going to let these younger guys, you know, kind of get some running and he doesn't really care what these guys, you know, in the past have done. So, you know, maybe that's part of that is to kind of, you know, motivate some of these, some of these older guys to, you know, hey, step it up. You know, you guys had kind of a crappy year last year. Got it, you know, time to figure out something that works. So, um, but Thomas Graham, I think, at safeties or cornerback, uh, I think he'll be a really interesting piece over there. Yeah, absolutely. So now we'll go through, we'll look at some, some strengths and weaknesses. There's certainly a lot of position groups on this team that are really strong, a lot that are big question marks entering the season. Offensively, for me, the strongest unit is running backs, and that's no surprise. Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, there's three guys, and obviously Royce Freeman coming back could break the school rushing career uh, record. And like I gotta him. say too, just like watching him in individual drills, like he's bigger, he's stronger, like he's gonna have a monster year this year. Yeah, he looks good, and they're gonna run the ball a lot. A so lot. these three guys are gonna be important with Tony Brooks, James behind him when Freeman was, you know, injured, sort of just out kind of missing last year. He was a guy that really stepped up. Uh, he got hurt himself, so we got, then we saw a lot of Kanai Benoit. I mean, I really think out of those three, those any of those guys would start really anywhere in the country, and the Ducks have three of them. And I think just given the lack of weapons on the outside and the fact that Taggart, you know, if you look at his southern or his uh, South Florida teams and then his western Kentucky teams, he likes to run the ball. So it's a good unit for them to be – to have a lot of depth that sort of be dense at quarterbacks, pretty obvious. Well, to add a wrinkle real quick yeah, to running backs too, Taggart also talked a bit about, you know, maybe running some, some three back sets too. So, uh, I mean, you could at some points be seeing all three of those guys in the field and, you know, who knows what the hell is going to happen there, but interesting to, to, to keep an eye on how strong that, that unit is going to be too. But yeah, back to quarterbacks. Yeah. And, um, I'm actually going to add one more on the running backs. Just wouldn't be surprised. A guy, Taj Griffin, who's at running back, he's now at slaw. He's been battling, an injury throughout fall camp, but he's a guy that was moved to slot. I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of motion. You know, Tony Brooks, James could go out, catch some bubble screens. Those guys have speed. I think 
you know, for a lot of those slot guys, they're, you know, they're going to utilize them and use that speed and that depth at sort of that playmaking running back slash wide receiver position that some of those guys can play. Quarterback, it's Justin Herbert, no question. I think something that is has been intriguing is that backup role. Uh, Taylor Alley, who was converted to a wide receiver in the spring to help with wide receiver depth, but then Travis Johnson, Terry Wilson Jr. transfer. Now he's back at wide receiver, and he's competing with Braxton Burmeister, a freshman, a guy who was here in the spring based on what we saw in the spring game. Didn't quite look ready. Seemed seemed like he, you know, needs some time. Nothing nothing out of an out of the ordinary for a freshman. I mean, you shouldn't be expected to grasp on right away to all that you need to do as a quarterback as a freshman, but still a guy that I don't think they want, you know, they want him to take some time to develop. So really what do you, you know, all, all I got to say is this quarterback position is that Herbert goes down, this team is screwed. Yeah. It's strong up front. You know, Herbert is Herbert could take, take a big leap this year and he could kind of become one of the more elite quarterbacks in the pac 12. But, yeah, it's just kind of like, hey, if he goes down, what do you got behind that? You got Taylor Allen, you got Braxton, Braxton Burmeister, and that's kind of it. I mean, again, Johnson transferred over the summer. Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson, all strength. That's who it was, too. I've already forgotten their name. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, quarterback, strong up front. Herbert's going to have a good year, but, yeah, kind of worrisome behind him. Yeah, Herbert, Herbert's the guy, and Herbert was great in his freshman year and, you know, should be good again, but – you know, I think there's a lot of cause for concern if he goes down, and it'll be interesting to see how Taggart and offensive coordinator Marcus Royo, Mario Cristobal, see how they maybe adjust play calling because Taggart did like to run quarterbacks during his time in Western Kentucky and South Florida, so do they hesitate to run? They say no, but of course they're going to say that. Well, it's interesting but, too because uh, – you know, with kind of the the lack of depth at wide receiver, uh, you know, they're probably going to run the ball a lot. But transition, uh, the offensive line is also much stronger this year. So uh, that is another area of strength that I see uh, with this team. I mean, if you just look at the roster real quick, uh, you got guys like Tyrell Crosby back. You have guys like Jake Hansen. You have uh, Cal Throckmorton. I mean, just those three guys alone are all like that could be an all an all Pac-12 front right there. So. I I don't think protection is going to be an issue, but yeah, but I mean, just like the weapons that that Herbert is going to have to use will be uh, kind of question marky. Yeah, right guard Jake Pasarsic, a, a senior, so even though he, you know, that right guard position is sort of the the weak point, Jake Pasarsic's still a guy that's been around for five years and he's he's seen time, he's seen playing time, he's been with, um, you know, he's been with the program for so long, he's certainly seen his fair share of action. Yeah, like you said, a lot of these guys have the potential to be all Pac-12 guys, first-team all Pac-12 guys. Yeah. I mean, Tyrell Crosby can. Calvin Throckmorton was really solid on the right tackle. And if you just go one you know, one deeper in the depth chart, George Moore just physically looking at oh, him looks like, yeah, looks like a guy who can dominate. He's a you know a junior college transfer, sophomore. But, you know, he's he's a guy that looks like with some – Maybe some development, some coaching. I could he, see him being a pro, he, a he, pro prospect next couple yeah, years. Yeah, and he could be a beast. And, you know, you never know. They could bring out some, you know, six, seven, go a little Stanford-esque, bring out some big guys just to be out there on those short-down situations. Brady Aiello, a guy who started in place of Crosby last year when Crosby went down for an injury. Doug Brenner's got some time. Good old Doug Brenner, still around. Still around. Still kicking it. Still, still going at it and uh, – you know, Evan Volera, guy behind him, uh, you know, another senior has been around. So Mario Cristobal, offensive line coach, has said he wants to get 10 deep. Now, obviously, <laughs> that's pretty hard for a 
for for any program, but at the same time, they're they're about as good as as a unit you're going to find in the Pac-12. Maybe the best up there with you know USC. Looking forward, the offense overall is is going to be good. It's not you know it's not a question of whether the offense can perform. In my opinion, I think what will be interesting is def- opposing defenses. Will they just stack the box against them and force yeah. those young wide receivers to try and beat them one on one? That's yeah. the only question. And it, it'll be interesting to see too how like Oregon adjusts to what teams will throw at them, and then you know the kind of the the chess game, you know, if you will, of the of the what does Oregon do, what does the team counter with, and then how does Oregon kind of counter against that? Absolutely, and like we mentioned with the running backs and sort of that hybrid wide receiver running back position, if you just get some of these guys in space, they can they can. You know, they can be your offense. Your offensive play calling can be just get these guys in space and, and let them work. So we've talked about the strengths of the Sorgan team. You know, the offense is definitely going to be one of the strengths. Uh, it does still have some weaknesses, uh, you know, on it too. You know, we've talked a bit about the lack of depth, that wide receiver. Uh, at the moment they have uh, they have nine guys listed on, on the depth chart. Um you know, I don't know how many of those guys are actually going to see a lot of time this year, but for sure, it's it. Uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of Mitchell, Charles Nelson, and Johnny Johnson. But I would kind of anticipate they run the ball a lot more than uh than kind of pass it. Yeah, to me, it's sort of a position that is something that's pretty much up for grabs for a lot of these a lot of these guys. I think you know a guy like Malik Lovett could jump in there get some starting experience, get a ton of playing time, get a ton of reps. Brendan Schooler made the transition from safety to wide receiver. So, you know, after some times, after some coaching, once he makes that transition, he could jump in, make an impact. But like you said, this is a young and untested group, and it it, it could be just sort of a, a, a clown car of guys almost where you just every week you sort of see somebody new. You know, there. I think for for these guys, what's going to be really important is running a lot of screens. They seem to be doing a lot of little bubble screens. I think that's going to be you know whether they can block, whether they can. A guy like Darian McNeil, he's kind of small, shifty. He, he's somebody that they could throw to in the slot, throw to out on those screens that could get those extra yards. I mean, to me, Alex Ofodile is a guy that came in with a lot of potential. He's kind of a bigger prototypical guy, but he's. He's sort of listed there with Malik Levett as an or behind Dylan Mitchell. So he, you know, they and like. He, and he was hurt all last year, too. Yeah, yeah. So and, that'd be and, tough to come back. And he's been hurt and he's recovering and spending some time continuing building chemistry with Herbert and just the coaching staff in general. So it's really hard to pin down this wide receiver unit in some ways. Um, as you can see by the two deep as well, there's, you know, they've listed three guys at the <laughs> two deep and, and two out of the three wide receiver slots. So. It, it's certainly, in my eyes, a weakness. I think, like I said, defenses are going to load the box and just try and stop the run and worry about the wide receivers later. So, and that also goes into the tight ends. Some new tight ends, Jacob Breland. He's he's been a name that's been out been out there. He's seen some action. Got a couple of throws last year. He had a big catch against Wazoo and sort of garbage time with Herbert. Actually, that was Herbert coming in late once they were you know, sufficiently defeated, but he, oh, he got fun, in fun times. But yes. Fun oh, times up in the Palouse, but just what are you seeing from the tight ends? I mean, kind of a, a new group, but you know, something that Herbert had a lot of success going to last year with this granted, that was a strong group of tight ends, but still, well, to be completely honest, I don't know a lot about this tight end group. I mean, I don't think anyone really does. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's you got Jacob Breland, you got Ryan Bain, you have Cam McCormick uh, right now listed on the depth chart. And overall, they have 
13 games played combined. Ryan, and 11 of those are from Breland. Yeah, Ryan Bale, walk-on, Cameron Cormick, redshirted last year, so we didn't get to see him at all, didn't get to talk to him at all last year. So Breland's the only guy that, that is – you know, a name that jumps off the Only page, guy that has so a catch, know. too, out of true. this group, too. True, true. So, you know, it truly is, again, another or behind Jacob Breland, Ryan Bay, or Cam McCormick. So We have heard some good things about Breland, too, in camp. He had a cast on his hand uh, for most of camp, but guys were saying that he hadn't even, like, dropped the ball with the cast on his hand. Uh, so, I mean, he could be he could be a solid, you know, solid option for Herbert, too. So. Yeah, and Herbert said he had spent time outside of practice and throughout the summer working on – Routes with Breland, a guy again. You know, it was it was Pharaoh Brown, Johnny Munt, Evan Bayless, three seniors last year that really led that tight end group. And unfortunately for the Ducks, they kind of fought injuries. But once they were out there, and once Herbert was a quarterback, he really, you know, their numbers kind of started to explode. So a, a group that you know we don't know, not many people know. It'll be some new names, but you know, if Herbert continues this trend of throwing to tight ends, it might be some guys that really pop out sort of some new names to talk about, new names to dive into. But, again, like the wide receivers, sort of an untested young group, and anybody could really could really rise up. But the biggest weakness of this team over the past couple of years has been defense. It's no secret. What? I know, right? Even, what? Even Oregon President Michael Schill at the – Willie Taggart introductory press Who, conference. Let's just say his football knowledge is uh Yeah, self admittedly <laughs> his football knowledge is a little lacking, but even he said um his throwing words, his words not mine. Throwing throwing a lot of shade at Brady Hoke, um, but he said make sure you hire a good defensive coordinator. Now personally if I'm a defensive player and I hear that, <laughs> I'm kind of a little upset. I don't know about you. I'm like <laughs> thanks Prez, but um a lot of confidence just But at there, the, but at the same time, it's you know, they it's, have it it's coming. warranted. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean I mean this statistically and just by the eye test was a pretty bad defense um so whether this is good or not, a lot of guys returning. Yeah. Um a lot of guys returning which you'd have to think would be a good thing just experience another year getting stronger learning how to play granted sometimes slightly different positions because this is a new defense that Jim Levitt is bringing in he turned around Colorado's defense helped them get to the Pac-12 yeah if there's anybody who can do this it's Jim Levitt yeah absolutely I mean he built he literally built the South Florida program from scratch he's been with you know he's been kind of a guy that's Known to turn around defenses, yeah. he's turn around, turn around Kansas State, Iowa. Absolutely. You know, he he helped lead the the Niners when they were one of the best defensive teams in the you know in the NFL for a couple of years too. So he's 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 experienced with this kind of thing. You know, he's good at rebuilds. So, uh, it, you know, he's he's he, he's a good guy to to kind of lead this rebuild. I I feel on the defensive line specifically. Obviously, we went into Jordan Scott, but. To his left and right are Henry Mondu, who's a senior team captain, voted team captain earlier this week, along with Royce Freeman, and then Jalen Jelks next to him. Those guys are veterans, at least upperclassmen. Mondo's seen a lot of action. He was sort of a guy that was pegged to be a leader, a difference maker up front, and with their inability to stop the run last year, certainly you know, a guy that they're looking for to kind of step up into a role that they may have been hoping for last year, but... Regardless, still one of the most experienced, probably the most experienced guy along that defensive line. They bring in Scott Pagano from Clemson. He had foot surgery in the offseason, so there's no timetable on his return, and they haven't. The coaching staff hasn't given us any sort of 
any sort of tip or hint on when they might think he's he's going to be healthy and back. They recently just brought in Malik Young, a Juco guy. Again, just to build depth, that's just something they need is just numbers in some sense. But, you know, a, a unit that that is, in my opinion, probably the, the weakest on this defense, just, you know, maybe Jordan Scott makes a huge difference and really takes it to the next level. Scott Pagano comes in, helps a ton. You know, we'll see sort of, uh, again, another unit that is relying on freshmen, so it's sort of a we'll see. But but behind them at the linebackers, I think a, a group that's on the margin, for, for me, anyways. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a couple guys here who are returning. I mean, you got Troy Dye, who obviously had a had a phenomenal freshman freshman season. He's looking to build on that this year. You also got Justin Hollins, who's a guy that, that uh, Taggart was raving about, other coaches and players were raving about. He really earned that starting spot this year. And then you also have uh, Kalana Appella, who was you know, a walk-on guy. Uh, was part of that cool video that Oregon uh, put together. You know, got a word of wa- a full scholarship last couple weeks. Uh, and then also you have uh, Fotu uh, Liatu. I hope I didn't butcher that name. Uh, probably. It probably did. At the uh, the duck position, which is kind of a new, it's a, I, I think it's more of like a hybrid uh, linebacker safe, safety position, so mm-hmm. a little more uh, coverage, you know, protection this year, but just kind of kind of an interesting group, Jack. What are, you, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Well, it, like I was sort of leading into it with, I think it's a group on the margins that is sort of a something that could really take big steps because a lot of those guys, they did see action last year as sort of, a big rotating group a season ago. So, you know, even, you know, Jimmy Swain's a guy who saw a lot of action last year. Jonah Moy is just a huge guy, and he saw action last year. I mean, it's it's a group of guys that has seen action but has yet to really um, step into, you know, big shoes in, in terms of stopping the run, making stops, stuff like that. I mean, whenever, you know, Kalana Pelu, he's a guy that plays with heart. He's certainly hustling all over the field. He makes up for his small size listed at 511 you know to roughly 200 pounds it's it's pretty small for an inside linebacker somebody who's going to be tasked with stopping the run especially you know going up against massive guards that you know to me i know he plays with heart but you know it's concerning in some points if if a guy that small is sort of is up there and you're tasking him with with trying to stop the run but you know again i think a group that there there's some veterans on this team that I think should should step up a little bit and be able to to help this team get from, you know, b- bottom of the mm-hmm. barrel to to middle of the pack. Yeah, it it's a team with experience and they do have a lot of individual talent. It's just seeing if they can actually put all that talent together into actually stopping guys, which was kind of a problem last year. Now, I think you and I disagree on where this unit is, but it's the secondary. A group 2 years ago that was pretty young, pretty pretty raw. Um, sort of the weakness of the defense two years ago, but now there's a lot of upperclassmen. Arion Springs starting one cornerback position. You've got Cleo Oliver, Jr. at safety. Tyree Robinson, a guy who's not listed on the depth chart, presumably with injury. He'll be at a safety position. But for now, Matrell McGraw, a junior, a guy who really hasn't seen any, you know, a lot of playing time, but he's now out there. You think it's kind of a big question on this team? Why is that? Well, first off, you got... What was it one, four true freshmen, four true freshmen in that secondary? Um, I mean, I just, I mean, Arion Springs has had a pretty good career so far. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you know, a bit of a down year, weird, weird year last year. Uh, I mean, 
I just kind of see this team as, you know, maybe trying to adjust a little bit, you know, with Levitz, you know, kind of going back to the 3-4, just seeing how this team is going to kind of react to that and if it might take a bit of, you know, a couple games to get their feet under them. You know, they haven't they haven't really been going against the, you know, the best talent, you know, uh, going against the wide receivers and some of the tight ends and whatnot in practice. Um, I think that's something that Arion even even pointed out was um, kind of indirectly said that, you know, the the wide receiving group is not that especially strong, you know, in, a, you know, in practices. So I don't know. I just think that that when this team actually goes up against some talented receivers, you know, like if, you know, they've going against Carrington, you know, again, in you know, in, in, in November, when Utah comes to comes to comes to Austin, I think that could be interesting. I mean, Washington has a talented group of of, of wide receivers, and then you also have have to play, you know, Wyoming, your third game of the year. So it's like it's it's not a lot of time to to kind of get your feet under you. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how long it'll take them to to figure it all out. I think this is a strong group. I think the area of concern for me is in the front seven and how it affects the secondary in terms of you know pass rush. Like, I think you can, you know, you can only cover guys for so long, and if there's no pass rush, especially in the Pac-12, when there's solid quarterbacks, they can pick you apart, and that can kind of deceive in some ways, certainly in a box score, but also just, just the eye test how a secondary performs. But you know, I think it's going to be a solid group. I mean, we'll see if Tyree gets back healthy. To me, that's huge because he's, you know, a, a big defender, but also that 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 safety position with a guy like Metro McGraw. doesn't have a lot of playing time and then two true freshmen behind him you know that could be a cause for concern or some some question so once he's back if he's back in time then I think that this makes this pretty strong and I think Thomas Graham listed as an or with Ugo Amani but you know we've seen him take a lot of reps with what you know looks like might be the first team out there and I think that's more of a not necessarily statement against Amadi but more for Graham and I think I think this is a group, and talking to Ugo Amadi, he said that this this defense just asks a lot of those secondary guys just to go one-on-one, whereas in past it wasn't as much just a one-on-one with wide receivers, but this year it's very much, I've got this wide receiver and I'm going to try and shut him down, which in your case, if you think the secondary might struggle, might be bad, might be poor, <laughs> but in my case, I think they've got experience, they've got talent, they've got athleticism, I think that can... That can do well. The question is, can they hold well, up? Well, they had a lot of that last year, and we all we all know how that true, but out, so. true, but again, I think it wasn't as bad last year because they had zero pass rush. They might again this year, so so we shall see. But again, embrace debate. Yes, but you know, a lot of those guys who were, you know, technically veterans last year are e- even you know back even again. More veteran, even more veterans, veteran-er. stronger veterans. Yes, so <laughs> so uh, you know. A, a unit that many might be on the fence about this year, but now we'll, we'll see. Yeah, true. We it will all be revealed. <laughs> but one thing that um, Taggart, since the moment he walked in this door, and since the moment he really analyzed what this team was, who this team is, talked about team unity last year. Obviously, it's come to light that this team was kind of fractured last year. They weren't necessarily the the strongest core in terms of chemistry, in terms of how close they are. It's something that they've now raved about. Obviously, Taggart's had some tactics. He's made them stay in the dorms for the first week. They've had a bunch of Madden tournaments. They've done all sorts of other things. He makes them, you know, all eat dinner together. Yeah, um, you know, a, a bunch of a bunch of little tactics like that. Seems. The shirts. Yeah, they have blue collar shirts. They're all given, you know, mechanic shirts and blue collar attitude. It's all sorts of things that, um, you know, want wants this team to to build team. No, they're not. 
lying. They don't. They're not. Yeah, lying they're, with, they're not going to tell us if it's not working. So right, but at the same time, closer to guys, and they certainly know guys that they didn't know before. They might, you know, a linebacker just might know the linebackers, but now we'll, you know, we'll see. It's Taggart said. Taggart said that fractured locker room sort of spilled over onto the, the team unity aspect. Are you? Are you on board? Or are you all? I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah. I'm buying it. I'm not selling. I'm buying. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we heard, you know, last year, you know, in in kind of exit interviews and, uh, you know, stuff leading into, guys were playing for their own, you know, their own sakes. They were guys were playing to get to the league, as some guys were saying. Um, you know, mentality that that a lot of guys had, and that's what we heard from a lot of the players. You know, guys who were back. So that you know, the Taggart hire was good. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of bringing that together, because what he wanted to do is he wanted to implement. You know, like you said, you know, got away from Oregon the last couple of years. I mean, you had the you had the Natty trip in 2014, and then you know 2015. It was still kind of weird pieces there. Well, yeah, and a lot of what ifs in that season. Yeah, a lot of what ifs. Oh, uh, just in terms of health mainly. Again, it was sort of the the start of what turned out to be, you know, a, a pretty poor trajectory. What turned season the year after that. So. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, every 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 account is that this team is closer. Moves onto the field in terms of communication, chemistry, all that things. I mean, well, and trusting guys too. Trust, just, yeah, know. and I mean, look, it, if you just think about it, and you know, just straightforward, if you like the guys that you're playing with, if you really enjoy the guys that you're playing with, you're probably going to have more fun. You're probably going to be looser, playing better. And if, but if everybody's sitting there, you know, not necessarily caring about each other, then. You know, put two and two together. Yeah, you, you know, I don't need to finish that that statement for you, but we'll see. And and again, you know, this is all this is all before any any wins and losses. Yeah, they haven't so, even taken the field so, yet officially. You know, so. we'll see if they come out and they and they fall flat against Nebraska. If they fall flat against Southern Utah, you know, we'll see where this team personality goes. But you know, it's something that Taggart has seemed to bring to South Florida, seemed to bring to Western Kentucky. You know, sort of a an, an all-in mentality with all the guys, which is really important for those programs that are underdogs. And I do think too that that even if the season does you know go south in a way and you know they they end under 500, I I, I still feel like the you know the team chemistry aspect of it is is going to be a, a priority for Tiger to keep because he's I mean he's here through 2021 and or 2021 2022. Something like that. He's here for 20, the next couple 20, of years. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. So he's he's here for the next couple of years, and uh, I mean he's he's already done wonders on the recruiting trail. You know, I mean Oregon has a top ten, top five maybe. You know, re- recruiting class coming in next year. So what he's trying to do is he's just trying to build uh build not only a culture, you know, not only a team but a culture. So um you know I mean I feel like even if the season goes south, that that's still something that he's going to focus big time on is just staying together as a team and staying together as a unit. So yeah and. Initial test, Southern Utah, this Saturday, 515. Mm-hmm. FCS program from the Big Sky. Last year averaged 29.2 points per game, 348 total yards offensively. Um, defensively, they were a little bit weak, and they allowed 28.4 <laughs> points per game. So, you know, a, a, a team that I would say most Duck fans, most of us, don't know too much about, but an, but an FCS program, and we've seen FBS FCS programs come in and and upset teams when they're not supposed to, and sometimes take take big programs off guard, especially in this you know this week one when players might be a little rusty, they might not be ready, and an FCS opponent can pounce. Now, you know, not going into into too deep into how you know what Southern Utah does, what they run, all that stuff, just more. You know, if you're a Duck fan, if you're a Duck coach, if you're a Duck player, 
what do you want to see? What what is the pot? You know, this this game is a positive. Only you know, good things come out if what happens. Well, I mean, it's got to be a route. I mean, like this, like Southern Utah. So I mean, they averaged almost thirty points a game. I I want to see them under twenty, under twenty, under fifteen. Like I want to see one score on the board. If if I'm a Duck fan, I mean, this is a team that you know is not very good, just straight up. Like, this is a team that's making $500,000 to, you know, win or lose this game. You know, Southern Utah is, is a contract win, essentially. You know, they're being paid to come here to get their to get their butts kicked. So, I mean, I just want to see I want to see Herbert do well. Uh, I want to see how the, how the defense has improved. Um, yeah, I want to see Royce run for 200 yards. I want to see, you know, Dylan Mitchell kind of see what he can do, you know, if this is going to be a breakout year for him or not. Um, yeah, I just want to see all the, all those kind of, you know, little pieces come together. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's kind of right back to it the next week is it's like they go from Southern Utah to Nebraska. So yeah. they really kind of got to, you know, iron out all the kinks now. So yeah, uh, unfair or not, I agree. I think it's kind of route or bust. I look back at UC Davis last year and maybe we should have seen a little writing on the wall. Again, Oregon controlled that game. UC Davis couldn't stop them offensively, but you know they were able to put 28 points on this team. 14 coming in the in the third quarter when you know the Ducks starters weren't out. You know, in some case, you know they put 21 points basically on the Ducks starters. You know, and that was that was UC Davis, and obviously went and on. They're worse than Southern Utah. So so, so uh, again, uh, you know. A, a win's a win at the end of the day, and that's what coaching staff wants. But you want re- to see more than realistic- that against a yeah. team like Southern Utah. Realistically, with Nebraska looming and uh, a tough Pac-12 schedule looming, you know you'd like to have them jump out the gates and not sort of stumble in some ways against Southern Utah. And you know sometimes all it needs is a little momentum, a little confidence for Southern Utah. You know they played Utah well last year. They you know, I think it was twenty-four to nothing. So you look at the scoreboard, but again, you know that's a FCS opponent going against, you know, Utah, who ended the season, I believe, in top twenty or was certainly up there. So this, no doubt, you know, no bold predictions here. And and losing, we both obviously predict them to win. But we're gonna now wrap this up with some season predictions. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start the Ducks over under for wins this season. If you're if you're a better, is eight. That's that would be doubling the win total from last year. The Ducks four and eight last year, two and seven in the Pac-12, last in the Pac-12 North a season ago. So you know a doubling of wins would be would be quite the step forward. Over under, Gus. What's your what's oh, your choice? I gotta go under here. Just looking at the schedule. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna run through it. So you have you know we start out with with Southern Utah. I'm gonna chalk that one up as a win. You got Nebraska coming up next, which. I'm going to say the Ducks take that one. I think it was a close enough game last year. You know, I mean, Oregon had those, what was it, five, two-point failed, failed to win <laughs> Too conversions. many. Just, yeah, too, too many. Many, yeah, too many. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, and uh, their wide receiving core is not as strong this year either, so I think that could be I think that could be a solid win for Oregon. But then they got Wyoming up next uh, in, is it Laramie? In Laramie. So uh, who's it, Josh Allen is out there? Mm-hmm, yeah, it's, it's, it's tougher than... You know, a Wyoming might look typically so. Yeah, uh, I just think that he's just gonna. He might just tear him apart. I mean, he's he's a guy who's up there on draft boards right now. He, you know, could be a first, you know, easily a first round pick, maybe a top ten pick. Um, I just think that he could just carve him up. But 
Um, I'm not, I have Wyoming down as a loss, um, but then I go Arizona State win, Cal win, and then it starts to get, get a little tough. Then you uh, then you have Washington State at home, which I you know I don't know that that Mike Leach air raid air raid offense kind of has been trouble for the for the last couple of seasons, and I think it might continue to be a problem this year. So I have Washington State as a loss, and then you go to Stanford and to UCLA, which I have as two losses. I just think just going on the road like that is just going to be in back to back weeks, no less. That's just gonna, that's just going to be tough. They're going to be beat up after after Stanford, and then they have to go back down to UCLA. That's just going to be a tough one. Then Utah uh, in Eugene on October 28th, Darren Carrington's return. I mean, I think it'd be funny if he just had an absolute monster game and beat them, but uh, I don't, you know, it could happen, but I have that one as a win for the Ducks. Uh, and then Washington, I, you know, I, I got to say, I think the streak's going to continue this year. Washington just, just looks too good. Um, win for Washington there. And then, uh, you know, I, I think they will end, though. Beating Arizona and beating Oregon State, so I have a uh, I have seven and five this year. I'm under as well. I think <laughs> six or but I think say six, it loud, say it proud. Yes, I am under as well, but I think six or seven wins is is a big step forward for this Texas program. I I think there's a legitimate chance that this team starts five and zero oh, and actually, you know, maybe even goes undefeated at home this season, but. There's some pretty brutal road games, especially when they hit Pac-12 play later in the season. But, you know, I, I'm with you in that Nebraska game. I think it's a toss-up. You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of leaning the Ducks right now, but we'll see how, how week one shakes out with both those teams. You know, you have a loss to Wyoming. I got to win. I got to win Arizona State. I win versus Cal, but... Homer. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> um, but from there... Again, I think they'll upset a team, you know, a team that they're that they're, you know, not technically supposed to be, but could certainly see them want them slipping a game, maybe, you know, on an Oregon State again, possibly. I think they are going to have a good shot to go down to UCLA and win, but again on the road, that's pretty tough. So I'm I'm looking at. I mean that that month that month long stretch from Washington, like in a span of mm-hmm. like. Four weeks. Yeah. You go Wash. You go Washington State at Stanford at UCLA, host Washington, and then at UW. That's tough. Yeah, and I, I I think there's a good chance this team starts five and zero, and I think there's a good chance that they go zero and five for the next for, whoa, the, next, whoa, for the next five. So whoa, whoa just there. just looking at that that schedule. But wrapping up with Arizona and Oregon State, you know that to me is where the Ducks will be in bowl territory. They'll be able to clinch a bowl game with those two wins and in my opinion really should wrap up the season with those two wins so that wraps up our podcast pretty in-depth look at training camp and previewing the season a little bit we'll be back next week we'll be reviewing what happened in southern utah whether whether what we said comes true we'll see if it is route or bust or not or or just what happens we'll talk about that and then we'll preview the the big game nebraska probably the biggest home game this season um, a team that the Ducks will certainly want to get revenge on certainly could have beaten a season ago and I think a, a huge you know the the big sort of test to see where this team really is is that is that Nebraska game so we'll be back next week thank you for listening mm-hmm.